Welcome to Focus on the Family's weekend broadcast. We hope the following program will challenge you and encourage you in your faith journey. But what I can do is say, God, this is Brent. Stuff's not working the way I need it to work. But I can talk to him and I learn how to communicate because that's how my dad would do it. Well, there's nothing like the influence of a godly father, especially one that models how to pray for his children. That's our topic today, and your host is Focus President and author Jim Daly, and I'm John Fuller. That's so true, John, and our guest is Brent Reeves, who is uh, paying tribute to his father, the founder of Smokey John's Barbecue in Dallas. And it's a family-run restaurant that has a reputation for serving up brisket with a side of Holy Spirit. <laughs> and Brent is sharing what he learned about life and faith from his dad. Yeah, this is really touching. And here now is Brent Reeves speaking to a group of men at an event hosted by Wingmen Ministries on Focus on the Family. Thank you guys for allowing me to be here today. If you don't mind, I'd like to be able to start off with a word of prayer. Is that okay? All right. Lord, thank you for this day. Thank you for this amazing group of men. I thank you, God, for what you're doing in each of their lives. Thank you, God, for the hunger that you've put inside of them for you. Thank you for this amazing organization, Father God, and for how they are reaching people across this world, Father God. I thank you, God, for the heart of this ministry, Father. And I pray that you continue to pour your grace, your goodness, and mercy over every one of them. And I pray, Father God, that you have something that you have specifically for each one to receive. And thank you for these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So... Dad was intense. Dad was intense since I was two. Dad was always on 10. Never had, you know, you know, some people have like a calm. No, dad didn't do that. 530 in the morning. Hey, what's going on? Y'all doing okay? Hey, look here. Um, I'm going to pray with you seven days. And you could hear that from downstairs and we would all be asleep. But dad didn't care because he's on the phone. And he pays all the bills. <laughs> so you just learn how to, how to sleep over his conversations. He was an amazing uh, father. And I tell you what, you know, I, I miss him like crazy. The man that made a difference in my life passed away. And probably the most difficult day of my life. Who thinks Superman died? You never think Superman is going to die. But that's something that many of you in this room maybe have already faced. And if you haven't faced it, it's a turning point. It's a turning point. Some men struggle with the idea or the concept of God. And you know why? Because most of them don't have a real relationship with their father, their natural father. So when you tell me there's this God, this heavenly father who is leading me, God, and directing me, and the only guy that I knew that was a father sat around the house all day, worked during the week, had some beers on the weekend, mm, that's difficult for me to hear this whole sovereign, faithful God. I didn't have that. I totally understood God. Because of the man that was my father. 
He showed who God was every single day. Well, not every day, because, you know, he had some imperfections, too. He, <laughs> he wasn't Jesus by any means, do you hear me? But he tried his best to live according to how the Bible wants us to live. And he always tried to make a difference and make an impact on our lives every single day. He was very intentional in that. I wanted to share some things with you guys that I learned from the man, the father of my house, that impacted my life. One of the things about my dad, this brother could pray. I mean, if you knew dad, dad could pray. You would not get off the phone with him without him praying for you. And what I learned was, you know what, as men, we've got to pray. And not just when something's wrong. We've got to pray daily and continue to lift up our issues, our families, our concerns. We've got to pray. We've got to get the weights off. Because a lot of times, guys, we walk around with a lot of burdens. We walk around with a lot of weights. And a lot of times, guys don't want to talk about anything. We kind of just go along because, you know what, usually nobody cares. Am I wrong? Nobody cares. Things go in our lives every day, and we take on more and more burden, but we don't share anything. And the thing that we have to do is begin to share with God at least someone that can take all of your burdens and then do something about it. But we don't take the time sometimes to pray. A brother to brother. Brothers, we need, we need each other. We've got to pray. Chad, just a few minutes ago before, he said, can I pray with you before before you speak. Chad, you don't know. My dad used to do that anytime before I would speak. And this is the first time I've ever spoken and he didn't pray with me before. So when you stepped up and you said that, you don't understand that was him. Because he would not let anything happen in anyone's life without the power of prayer with them. One thing I thought was amazing about my dad was how he prayed. He learned how to pray for my grandfather. My grandfather was a sharecropper. He, in Dangerfield in East Texas, my grandfather would get 80 acres together. He would get everything ready, and dad would watch him do the same thing every year. Papa would get on his knees, and this is how he would pray. He said, God, it's Bud here. I tilled the ground, got it all plowed up. I put the seeds out. I got everything ready. The rest is yours. All of what I did means nothing if you don't bring the rain. I need rain, God. I appreciate you. I thank you for sending the rain, and I thank you for the harvest that we're going to get. Amen. That's how he learned how to pray. Changed my life. Because how I always had seen people pray is, dear, auspicious, heavenly, I say, you know, man, I don't, hey. I don't even have that many words in my vocabulary. But what I can do is say, God, this is Brent. 
Stuff's not working the way I need it to work. My wife is getting on my nerves today. Can you help her? Well, <laughs> help me, help me deal with her, <laughs> you know. But I could talk to him and I learned how to communicate because that's how my dad would do it. I remember getting up at four or five o'clock in the morning and I'd see the light on downstairs. And I was going, man, what in the world? Who's down there? I was probably about five years old. This is when I really first saw dad pray. He had a chair that he had sitting right in the middle of the room. And he would sit on his, he'd be on his knees and he'd lay in the chair like this and he'd just pray out loud. See, I didn't know that the reason why we were eating so many chopped beef sandwiches every day was because dad was broke. He had decided to close the bars and the clubs and went completely bankrupt. So what we had was what we were serving at the restaurant. I was about sick of chopped beef sandwiches. But I didn't know that that's what we had. But he would be down in that chair going, God, I don't know how we're going to do Christmas this year. I don't have anything. Is there any way that you can make a way for me and my family? A few weeks later, all of a sudden, someone, I didn't know this, but they were kind of, he was preparing us for this solemn Christmas. And then all of a sudden, Christmas morning, I wake up and there were more gifts around the tree than I had ever seen in my life. Never seen this many. This is the most memorable Christmas still in my mind. I'm 42 years old and I still remember the four wheel Tonka truck right by the tree because that's what I wanted. But I knew there was no way I was going to get it because we were struggling. Somehow, years later, I found out that someone had given him $5,000 and said, buy everything you can for your kids out of the blue. But you know how that happened? Prayer. Prayer. He taught me how to pray. Another thing he taught me how to do was build relationships. Relationships are everything. Sometimes you may not have a certain uh, connection or there's something you specifically need and you can't get it anywhere else. But maybe if you know somebody, maybe something can happen for you. Dad knew that. He knew the power of building relationships. And he built relationships not necessarily for something, but because. Because he knew he had something to offer and he knew that someone else had something to offer him. Why? Because the power of God is in every one of us. And the thing today that you may be lacking, Tim may have. But if you never talk to each other and if you never have that connection and if you never reach out and see, Bill, how's everything going, Bill? How are you doing today, Bill? If I don't do that, I don't reach out to you and I don't build a relationship, then I don't find out what's going on in your life. And then I'm walking around aimlessly like I don't care. And what I'm doing is I'm missing opportunities to make an impact in somebody else's life. This Focus on the Family broadcast will continue in just a moment. 
It's time to level up. Give your kids a safe, faith-focused, and biblically-based community, and so much more. Join the Adventures in Odyssey Club. Club members get on-demand access to the exciting Adventures in Odyssey series, including more than 900 episodes. With faith-building activities, parental controls, and a safe online community, the Adventures in Odyssey Club could be your best adventure yet. Learn more and start your free trial at adventuresinodyssey.com radio. One in five households cares for a child with special needs. Is yours one of them? If so, we know you want your child to be taken care of no matter what happens. If you want to secure your child's future by preparing a will but need extra guidance for your unique situation, Focus on the Family can help. Download our resource, 15 Questions to Ask If You Have a Child with Special Needs. It's our gift to you at FocusOnTheFamily.com slash Special Needs eBook. Thanks for listening to Focus on the Family. Let's resume now with the balance of today's programming. One of the other things that Dad taught me, this is a rough one. He taught me how to be truthfully, like, raw. Tell the raw truth. That's a hard one. That's a hard one for me because I don't like to hurt people's feelings. But Dad did not have that in him. He didn't care. I remember people used to get him to do marriage counseling for him. And I think to myself, why did you ask him to give you marriage counseling? (laughs) Is it because he wasn't, you know, skilled and have the wisdom? He was married 43 years. Yeah, he'd give you all the advice in the world. But why did you want to talk to him? He's going to be brutally honest. I remember hearing a time or two where he have a little bit of a session going with someone back in that meeting room at the restaurant. And uh, he's talking to the brother, and the brother was talking about all the stuff that was going on in his life and what's happening in his relationship. And so dad just sat there and he listened to him. Okay, that's good. Okay, okay. He looked at the guy and he said, son, you... You know what your problem is, don't you? And the guy goes, I, "Well, Smokey, I don't, I don't, I don't know, Smokey, I don't know." Dad looks at me and says, "Well, you're stupid." <laughs> you're stupid. You say stupid stuff. You do stupid stuff. You say stupid stuff to your wife. You're stupid. <laughs> And the guy was like, that's unorthodox. He's like, I'm stupid? Oh, Smokey. I'm stupid, Smokey. I'm stupid. He said, listen, man, go home, wash the dishes, cook for your wife, get her some flowers, and stop being stupid. All right, Smokey, I got it, no problem. But dad could do that. He could do that. A friend of mine had a restaurant, and he goes into this restaurant, just grand opening, great place, comes in there, dad tastes the food, dad sits down, he comes back the next day, and the guy says, "Uh, Mr. Smokey, how'd you like the food? He said, man, wasn't that good, brother, wasn't that good. You need to put more pepper 
in your Caesar salad because it's nasty. <laughs> so dad dies uh, August 24th. That guy comes to the restaurant to see me and he's like crying. And I'm going, man, what's going on? Are you okay? He is crying. I said, brother, what's happening? He said, man, your dad just, he was the only one that told me the truth, man. And I was like, man, he's like, he said my Caesar salad was nasty. I was like, <laughs> he taught me the value of telling the truth. We've got to be able to be honest with each other. We've got to be able to tell each other the truth. Sometimes it's hard. And if people ask you for advice, they really don't want it. But if they ask you, guess what? Tell them the truth. What's the worst thing that's going to happen? They don't come back to you with anything they want to ask. No, no more questions. Because one thing I know, if I ask Mark, Mark's going to tell me the truth. Right? But iron sharpens iron. Iron sharpens iron, and the truth is sharpening for you. When people go around and we, we, oh, well, everything is okay, and this is not, you know, nobody, there's no integrity in that. The one thing that you'll know about Smokey, about myself, I'm going to tell you the truth. So if you really want to know, ask me. And I always respect, I ask my team members at the, our restaurant, I say, tell me what you think. Okay, don't get too carried away, but tell me, <laughs> tell me a little bit of what you think. A couple other things that he taught me. Dad was great about this. He didn't judge you. He didn't judge you. And you know why he didn't judge you? He needed too much grace himself. And as men, we need grace. But you know what we also need to do? We need to give grace. We need to give grace. We're so hard on each other at times. We're hard on each other. We don't give guys space. Well, find out a guy messed up. A guy made a mistake. Guy went, fell off the wagon. He was sober for 10 years and, and messed up. Man, how did you do that? No, brother, it's all right. It's all right. Start over again. Start over. If you messed up just that one time in 10 years, how good is that compared to how you were before the 10? Figure out a way to give grace. One of the things that dad would tell me was he'd say, son, I'm not going to be the Holy Spirit in your life. That changed. That, that hit me. And it showed me how I needed to talk to others and how I need to share with others. I cannot be the Holy Spirit in somebody else's life. I can encourage you. I can correct. But I'm not going to judge you. Too many of us do that. And then we push guys away. And then the, the safe space is no longer safe because a guy feels he can't come in and be honest because he's going to be judged. That's why you see a lot of folks not going to church at times because they feel like they're going to be judged. We've got to give people space. We have to give people room for God to do his thing in their lives. The best thing we could do is continue to be the example that we saw Christ be. And we, we continue to be that same example and hopefully we can impact others. Not judge them, but be an example. Give each other grace. I think the most powerful thing about dad 
that I went through this week that, that his lessons and his example hit me so much was this year. Dad trusted God. You can't pray like that and expect something if you don't trust him. You got to trust him, though. Sometimes there are things that happen in our lives that are so tragic or destructive or damaging that there is no way in our minds that we can see how we're going to get out of that. Any of you guys been through any of those situations? Yeah. Has God brought you out? Has he brought you out in a way that like there's no way that this could have ever happened? There's no way I could have even gotten out of this. This year we had, or 2017, we were in a record-breaking year for Smokey John's Barbecue, and I get a phone call in the middle about 5 o'clock. It tells me where, that the restaurant is on fire. And it's not good. That's not good. So I get there. They blocked Mockingbird off. That's a bad sign. Bill, you had a firefighter. You know that's a bad sign. If they block a main street off and you can't get there and it's your place, that's a bad sign. So I finally talk one of the firefighters into letting me in there. And the guy, I get there and I say, how bad is it? He says, well, um, they lost everything. Whoever, woo, man, it's terrible. It's horrible. And I'm thinking, golly. Can you leave me any hope, brother? Like, just a little bit. Like, man. So I get there, three, three alarm fire, fire trucks. I mean, they're everywhere. Get through that whole situation of being devastated. And three days later, the insurance company shows up, and they look. I go, oh, man, this is a total loss here. I was like, does anybody have any compassion at all? Or is this just how you do it nowadays, you know? So... I get through it, and we, we finish up, and the guy says, well, looks like you got about $56,000 on your policy. It's like, $56,000? This is a total loss. It's like, yeah, well, looks like half your policy was negated by a clause in your lease. Our $300,000 policy was cut down to $56,000. Dad said, oh, wow. Whew, that's rough, son. <laughs> it's like, I think he was like, I'm glad I gave you the business at that point. <laughs> you, know? you get to trust God, son. You get to trust him right now. And you know what? He sat back and he said, I want you to handle this. And I was... There were days where I couldn't eat, where my stomach was in knots because we have 20 different employees that are not working. As the weeks kept, took, uh, kept going, I started to find out that there were other things that we had where the insurance company started to change their mind. By the end of the time, I'm praying, I'm believing God, my brother and I are praying, dad's praying, we come back, and at the end of last year, the insurance company sends the check for the full amount. 
plus some. That was God. There is no way in the world that we could have gotten out of that without trusting God. But we couldn't have done it had we not, had I not seen that example of trusting God with him. And one of the things that dad would do is he would just stand firm in what he was believing for with God. Because what he, how he did was he would pray the word back to God. He would pray. He would say, you said in your word, look, if we if we seek, then we will find. If you knock, the door will be open. If you ask, you will receive. And he would speak the word back to God. And I tell you what, God performs his own word all the time. But we have to be put in a position sometimes where we have to trust him. Those five things, as I look at those things, I realize that through my father, God showed me himself. And as a mere man, if I saw those qualities, how much more is our Heavenly Father? So those who don't have a father, never had a father, there is one that's greater than any earthly man that's here. And that Heavenly Father is wanting to do for you everything that you need. He wants to take you from one level to the next, and he wants to change your life and because he wants other people's lives to change by watching you. I appreciate you guys and thank you for the opportunity to be able to speak to you today. Our thanks to Wingmen Ministries for providing us with this message from restaurateur Brent Reeves of Smokey John's Barbecue in Dallas. John, this was a great reminder of the influence that fathers have in the lives of their children. And let me just add, for the single moms out there, we know that you would love to have a godly man provide that kind of mentoring to your kids if their dad is not in the picture or is not a believer. And my heart goes out to you. Let me encourage you to pray and ask the Lord to provide that person for your children. And if you need more help, please give us a call and let us be there for you. Let me remind you our number is 800, the letter A in the word family, 800-232-6459. And as we reach out to hurting families, we also need your support. We are a nonprofit ministry, and we depend on your donations to keep everything going. So please consider giving to Focus on the Family today. And when you make a donation of any amount, we'll send you the CD of this message from Brent Reeves with extra content. And that'll be our way of saying thank you for joining us in ministry. And you can reach us when you call 800, the letter A in the word family. 800-232-6459 or donate online and request your CD at focusonthefamily.com slash broadcast. On behalf of Jim Daly and the entire team, thanks for joining us today for Focus on the Family. I'm John Fuller inviting you back as we once again help you and your family thrive in Christ. You're listening to Focus on the Family's weekend broadcast. We'll take a quick break here and then return with another faith-building program for your family. Stay tuned. 
Hi, Jim Daly here. Today's culture deeply needs help, but in times like these, the light of Christ can shine even brighter. So be encouraged to share His light in this broken world. Listen to the Refocus with Jim Daly podcast. Without time limitations, I'll have deep, heartfelt discussions with fascinating guests who will encourage you to share God's grace, truth, and love. Check out the podcast at refocuswithjimdaily.com or wherever you get your podcasts. Today, Jonathan McKee shares ideas about connection and how that is influenced by all of the screens we use in our lives. But let's just be honest, we haven't figured this thing out. This is a great tool for connecting people outside the room, but we're learning that it kind of interferes with our relationship with the people inside the room. Welcome to Focus on the Family with your host, Focus President and author Jim Daly, and I'm John Fuller. Well, Jonathan McKee always has a lot of insight to share when it comes to media and its impact on the family, and today is no exception. Jonathan is a social researcher, a popular speaker, and an author of many books, including Parenting Generation Screen, Guiding Your Kids to Be Wise in a Digital World, published by Focus on the Family. And he's also a contributor to our Plugged In Show podcast, and so he's really part of the family, so to speak. Here now, Jonathan McKee at First Woodway Baptist Church in Woodway, Texas on Focus on the Family. If I were to walk into the typical American home at 7 p.m. on any night, it's not just young people staring at screens. Let's be honest. Dad is sitting there looking at a big screen. Mom's sitting next to maybe watching that screen, but also looking at a screen of her own. You go upstairs, definitely sister is looking through TikTok videos on her phone. Brother is playing games on his device. Toddlers flicking shapes across the screen. And the family dog is on the treadmill because no one will walk him. I mean, this, this, this isn't a young people problem. This is a we love our screens issue here. And the question we need to maybe ask ourselves is, is there a chance that even the fact that there's more screens, more screen time, more connections, you know, than anyone in history, are we more satisfied? Is there a chance that maybe less could be more? I'm being very real with you. I like my screen. This screen can be fun. It is a great device for connecting with people outside the room when it doesn't interfere with the people inside the room. And what I'm just wondering is there times that this screen is very helpful and is there times where maybe it just belongs in the pocket? Uh, It's funny to watch how things are changing from screens. Uh, It's changing the way we enjoy moments. Uh, We used to just enjoy moments. Now we have to post about the moment. It used to be that we would just enjoy a cup of coffee, but now we got to let our followers know how good our cup of coffee was. We're all living the life of an 80s rock star. What do my followers think? You know, I just got to think about my followers. And because it's all about the number of followers or friends we've got. So we live in a country right now where eight out of 10 young people want to be an influencer in one way or another. What's happening is this is kind of creating a lot of pressure on us because that number now is very important. And here's what it does to us just emotionally. It's kind of an interesting thing. And not a lot of people are talking about this because again, this is brand new. So this is kind of new research that's just emerging. But what people have started to see is that there's this moment that everybody does talk about where you post something. Look at I'm enjoying a moment. Let me post about it. But what we are talking about is after that moment, after we post about it, the waiting, 
Because after we post, there's this moment where we're waiting to see if the likes come in, see if the traffic goes up, see if we get the amount of followers we should have. And so some people are going to more lengths to try to, hmm, if I do this, I've noticed I've, you know, get a little bit more likes or this is when the followers start to spike if I do this. And there's this moment after post where it's affecting a lot of us because even if we've got a bunch of followers, even if we've got a bunch of friends, there's always someone with more followers. How come I only got 637 likes? Taylor got 1,122 likes. I don't understand. And so it's starting to affect us, and we're seeing this number in particular be something crucial. Uh, let, let's try something real quick. Let's, let's talk about this influencer thing for just a quick second. Let's pretend that this room right here is America who is, and by the way, we're talking, you know, literally when it comes to what percentage of America is online, it's almost pretty much everybody. You're in the very high 90s. When it comes to young people pre-COVID, it was like 97% have access online. And during COVID, because of schooling, everything like that, we're like, we need to get everybody. So I mean, we're at the 98 or 99% mark. So let's just say that this is America right here. This room is. Uh, let's try something. Um, if your birthday is January 1st, through November 10th. Go ahead and stand up where you are real quick. Let's just do something. January 1st through November 10th. Go ahead and stand up. Okay. This is how many young people want to be influencers today. Go ahead and look around you. If this was America, this is how many young people want to be influencers today. So just look to your right and left real quick. Okay. Sit down, unless your birthday is May 3rd and you were born between 12 a.m. and 3.53 a.m. Sit down, unless you're May 3rd and you were born between 12 a.m. and 3.53 a.m. Do we have anybody? Do we have anybody? We got, hey, hey, we, we have two? Yes, give them a hand, look at that. Or maybe even three. Woo! Okay, you may sit down. They right there represent the one 2,252nd that actually can make it as an influencer full-time, okay? That, that's just what the numbers are, okay? They represent that. And, and we got to be careful here because, I mean, we don't want to squash. I mean, honestly, that's better odds than making it in the NBA, okay? You know, we don't want to tell LeBron, hey, buddy, you know, the odds aren't good. We don't want to squash LeBron's dreams. There might be a future LeBron right here, you know? But the fact is there's a lot of young people out there who are trying. And the question we need to start asking is what kind of effect is it having when a lot of us aren't making it or aren't quite seeing ourselves as being as popular, as liked as everybody else around us? And as a guy who studies this a lot, interview after interview, study after study of people with hundreds of thousands of followers who are saying the pressure was too much. Those who even made it to the top. And this isn't just a social media thing, folks. A lot of people who made it to the top can't handle the pressure. We've seen it a lot. And in the world of screens right now, what we're seeing is we're seeing depression spiking more than it ever has before. And folks, this research went before COVID because a lot of people consider, well, with COVID. No, no, no. Pre-COVID, depression had spiked more than it ever had before. Teenage suicide among teen girls was at an all-time spike. Uh, anxiety. 
everything. And of course, people are looking, hey, screen time's going up. Depression's going up. People started drawing those lines. Of course, some people started putting blame right away. So we start seeing studies come out. We start seeing people saying, hey, these technology companies knew about this. We're seeing reports coming out naming certain social media. Hey, you know, comparisons on Instagram are making it really tough out there on young girls because there's this constant, you know, comparison going on. How come I'm not getting as many likes? How come I don't look as good? My daughter and I embarked on a book. We were actually finishing it up last time I was here two years ago. And as we wrote this book, it was fascinating to hear her perspective on this because as someone who loved social media and who actually enjoyed Instagram, she was very vulnerable in this book. And she said, every time I posted something on Instagram, she goes, in all honesty, I thought everybody else looked good in the pics and I couldn't help but compare. She said, that's the one thing Instagram always does to me. It makes me compare. And she says, comparison is the thief of joy. Then COVID came along. And when COVID came along, basically, all of a sudden, it hit a generation that was already pretty lonely. It's ironic, more connected, but less intimate friends. COVID comes along, and all of a sudden, it's hitting us in the face, and a lonely generation got even lonelier. And we started to see, actually, depression and suicide go up but also we saw an awareness where a lot of people start to admit, hey, you know what? I like face-to-face -face relationships, but is there a point where maybe enough is enough? What do we do as parents and grandparents and people who care about this generation? But the question I want to focus on right now is I want to ask, as a family, as a church body, is it too much? Are there possibly some unforeseen consequences to being so overconnected that we don't connect anymore. We live right now in a country where the average mom and dad spends more time on a screen than they do with each other or their kids. Is there a chance that we are so overconnected that we don't even connect anymore? What's the answer? Well, to get the answer, let's go to a place where I think all the answers are, and let's go to Luke chapter 10. And just to prove to you that I don't think screens are bad, I'm going to go on my screen right here. Here we go, Luke chapter 10. Um, and honestly, it's because uh, I can make the font really big, and that really helps me. Yeah, no, it's, it's, it, I, I mean, I'm, I got it big. It's like for God so loved. Yeah, there. Okay, I can read that. There we go. Okay, Luke chapter 10. Here we go. Starting with verse 38. It's amazing how this, by the way, 2,000-something years ago, so perfectly relevant today. I'll start in verse 38. As Jesus and his disciples were on their way, he came to a village where a woman named Martha opened up her home to him. She had a sister called Mary who sat at the Lord's feet listening to what he said. But Martha was, what's the next word? Distracted by all the preparations that had to be made. She came to him and asked, Lord, don't you care that my sister has left me to do the work by myself? Tell her to help me. Okay, let's pause right there for a quick second. Uh, picture this. I mean, I, I love this, that we see this story about these two sisters, and, and we don't know exactly what went on, but it was something like, here's two sisters that wanted to connect with Jesus. Maybe the conversation was, Martha, when you cook, oh, I mean, you've got a gift, girl. So I'll tell you what. You cook a meal, and I bet you anything, Jesus and his posse 
might show up. It might be a cool thing. And sure enough, they invite. Jesus says, sure. And he and the disciples show up. And when they show up, they're like, this is great. We wanted to connect with Jesus. We thought if we do the meal thing, we'll be able to connect with Jesus. Mary, she gets it, immediately plops at Jesus' feet and is just soaking him in. But Martha was distracted. Let me ask you a quick question. Anything wrong with cooking? Anything wrong with the gift of hospitality? No, I mean, it's a good thing. Those are good things. There was nothing wrong with what Martha's intentions were, she, with good intentions, set out to do something that would help her connect with Jesus. The problem was that she got so focused on that something that she forgot about the connecting with Jesus part. As a matter of fact, she allowed it to become a source of bitterness between her and her sister. And next thing you know, she's coming to Jesus and going, can we do something here? I mean, tell, tell her to do this because, because, I mean, come on, I'm doing all the work here. She was so distracted by something that she set out with very good intentions to connect. And that very thing that she was using to connect kept her from connecting. This Focus on the Family broadcast will continue in just a moment. In 2 Chronicles 7.14, God promises to intervene when we pray, seek His face, and turn from our wicked ways. And as we approach Independence Day, will you join me in praying for our nation, praying for our communities, praying for our families, and especially praying for our pre-born babies? You can download your prayer guide at FocusOnTheFamily.com slash PrayForAmerica. That's FocusOnTheFamily.com slash PrayTheNumber4America. Thanks for listening to Focus on the Family. Let's resume now with the balance of today's programming. Sometimes in life we get so distracted with something that it, 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 it distracts us from the connections, from the stuff that matters. And a lot of us, when I say there's something that's distracting us, you know exactly what it is. It would fill in that blank. If we were to fill that out, sometimes I allow blank to become a distraction in my life. You know exactly what it is. So what does Jesus say? What what, what does he tell us about these distractions in our life? Let's keep reading because his answer is amazing. So we left with Martha coming up and saying, Lord, Lord, don't you care that my sister has left me to do all the work by herself? Tell her to help me. And Jesus says, Martha, Martha, the Lord replied, you are worried and upset about so many things. How many of you, by the way, are right there? (laughs) Worried and upset about so many things. But indeed, few things are needed, or indeed only one. Mary has chosen what is better, and it will not be taken away from her. I love this. Modern translation, here's what it would be. Martha, Martha, chill, order a pizza. (laughs) And I love the fact that Jesus doesn't even name what the one thing is because it's so obvious. Martha, you're so distracted by so many things. You're so distracted. This went probably a little deeper than just prepping a meal. You're so distracted about all these things when only one thing is needed and your sister's found it. 
And it's interesting because when we look at this one thing throughout Scripture, so many of us, uh, we're going through life, and maybe with good intentions, we allow other things to become a distraction, other connections to become a distraction from the one connection that matters. Some of us are actually connecting with people, complete strangers, and we're hurting the relationships of the people around us, our sister and our Lord, who is begging us to just sit at his feet. Martha allowed her cooking to become the one thing instead of Jesus. Jesus talks, by the way, uh, that this one thing is nothing new in Scripture. We see all through Scripture. Matter of fact, uh, one of Jesus' followers, Paul, talks about it later in his letter to the Philippians. He says, brothers and sisters, I don't consider myself yet to have taken a hold of this, but one thing I do, forgetting what's behind, straining toward what's ahead, I press on towards the goal, which is Christ Jesus. That's the one thing. We see later in the book of Hebrews, Hebrews does this like summary, like this cliff note version of the heroes of faith in the Bible. And it says, look at all these people. Look at all these heroes of the faith. And the next verse says, considering these cloud of witnesses, these great people of faith, let's do something here. Let's strip off all that hinders that sin that so easily entangles. And let's do one thing. Let's fix our eyes on Jesus. We keep seeing this over and over again. We have these things that so easily entangle us and we allow them to become a distraction. For a lot of us, that one thing that we would write in that blank, we know it's something that's entangling us and needs to go. What do you need to trim? Uh, I love mountain biking And uh, I won't say I'm a great mountain biker, but I live by some great mountain bike trails. I live in California at the base of the Sierra Mountains, uh, right near Folsom. And you can literally go right up the hill to one of the most beautiful places on earth. I'm not exaggerating, Lake Tahoe, the deepest, bluest lake you've ever seen. And it's set up at an elevation so high that it's surrounded by snow-capped mountains and pine trees. Gorgeous. And when you look at it, the blue is entrancing. It's just, it's so majestic. It's amazing. I'm going on this mountain bike ride with my friends, Mark and Amy, who coach mountain biking. I don't coach mountain biking, okay? I have a mountain bike, and my mountain bike is worth about the same amount as their back wheel of their mountain bike. And it's funny that I mentioned the back wheel because right before the ride, Mark says, okay, Jonathan, today there's lots of distractions on this ride. He goes, "Um, listen to me if you don't want to die. I said, you got my attention. He says, we're going to be up on some precarious trails. We're going to be next to some edges that if you fall off, uh, yeah, you'd probably die. And so uh, what I want you to do is I want you to focus on my back wheel. Uh, You can't take your eyes off this trail. I'm going to be in front of you, so just watch my back wheel. You're going to be tempted to look. He goes, we can sightsee later. He goes, when we're going on this precarious trail, do not look to your right or left. Keep your eyes focused on, and he said it, one thing, my back wheel. I said, okay, back wheel, don't die. Got it. That's good. I'll try it. And so we started on this ride and he wasn't kidding, man. This was a crazy ride. We're, we're going and, and it's like, we're going left. We're going right. We're on this trail. And I'm just sitting there. I'm just like, watch the back wheel. Don't die. Watch the back wheel. Don't die. And I'm doing that. And pretty soon we go up and we hang this left and we're in this clearing where I see from my God-given peripheral vision, this beautiful blue, big something over there. But I'm going, watch the back wheel. Don't die. Don't look right or left. Watch the back wheel. 
but it was blue and it was there and it was open. It was entrancing. And I was just like, maybe I could just, just, oh my gosh. I mean, it was, it was, it was amazing. It was there. It was Lake Tahoe. It was gorgeous. It was surrounded by snow-capped mountains, trees, gorgeous. And that's why I didn't, true story, see the trail turn left and Mark turn left. I went straight right off the edge. True story. And as I go off, it's happening in slow motion. And I'm like, oh, darn. <laughs> and there's this pine tree right there. And I just grabbed it like elf, man. I just poof, grabbed it. And as my body kept going, the, and I'm like, my bike is hooked to my feet, you know, and I just go like this. The pine tree goes, like I literally just grabbing this poor little Christmas tree. It's just, and when it got all bent down like this, the Christmas tree was like, hey, dude, you need to lay off the pizza a little bit. I'm like, shut up. You're a tree. And Mark comes back and he goes, you took your eyes off my back wheel, didn't you? I was like, but the lake is so beautiful. Is there anything wrong with looking at a lake? The fact is, sometimes things become a distraction from the one thing that's important. What do you got to trim? I'll close by telling you this. Um, a few years ago, uh, my, uh, uh, when my kids were still in the house, they've grown up now, gone out of the house. Uh, they were getting ready to go on a missions trip, and on this missions trip, uh, the youth pastor decided to do something kind of, kind of bold. He said, I want to prepare our hearts for the missions trip, so we're going to try something. We're going to do a media fast. We're not going to fast from food. We're going to fast from screens and music and entertainment media. We want to fast a little bit, and everybody's like, okay. And, like, and he said, so if we want to do this missions trip, we're going to fast for the month before the trip. And everybody starts freaking out. My kids are like, a month? I'm not going. I mean, literally, because like, I'm not going on this stupid trip. You know, and we as parents are like, ah, oh, come on, grow up a little bit. And then the youth pastor literally says, and as families, it'd be unfair for them to do it, so we're going to do it too. And immediately the parents are like, this is stupid. You're not going on this trip. You know, I mean, I mean we're just, you know, come on. I don't want to miss NCIS Waco. I mean, come on. <laughs> It's NCIS for every town in this nation right now. But so, and we're, so we all were kind of like rebelling a little bit. And we're like, you know, and finally we're like, okay, let's pray about this. And so we prayed as a family. And as a family, we're like, okay, let's try it. And I remember like literally the first couple days, it was just weird. We got in the car. I'd flip on the radio and my kids were like, dad, don't. And I'm like, it was Chris Tomlin. I thought it was okay. I'm sorry. You know? And literally, like at night, my kids would finish the homework, like four or five o'clock, and they'd come downstairs, and they'd be like, what are we going to do? I'm like, I don't know. Here's a ball. Let's throw it at the dog. Dog lost 30 pounds that month, all right? <laughs> I mean, it was amazing. We started hanging out as a family. We started, we, I mean, literally, we were like, what are we going to do? So we'd sit there, and we'd light a fire in the living room, which is really weird because we don't have a fireplace. <laughs> but I mean, we just, we were like doing anything, you know? Just hanging out. When the 30 days were up, they went on a mission trip. They came back. And I'll never forget. They're like, Dad, we, um, we, we can't go back the way it was. They said this. And they weren't ready to give up screens or anything. 
But we talked as a family and we came up with an idea. And for our family, we came up with No Tech Tuesday. It was just a taste. It was like, hey, on Tuesdays, what do you say when we're done with homework, whatever, that we just make that a night where we just sit and read by the fire? Because we realized that less was more. And uh, with that image of a family enjoying some quiet time around a fireplace, we come to the end of this presentation from Jonathan McKee on today's episode of Focus on the Family. I like that image, John, and that's the perfect winter day here in Colorado. And I really appreciate the wisdom that Jonathan has shared with us today. And if you want to go deeper, let me recommend Jonathan's book called Parenting Generation Screen, Guiding Your Kids to Be Wise in a Digital World, published by Focus on the Family. It will equip you to have important conversations with your children about social media, screen time, and entertainment. Get the book from us here at Focus on the Family by becoming a monthly sustainer of the ministry. That way, together, we're doing ministry together. It doesn't have to be a large amount. It's the consistency that really helps us kind of even out our budget month to month. Your monthly giving will help us provide tools and resources to parents who need that help. One example of that help is our Plugged In Show podcast featuring Jonathan McKee and our own Plugged In team who will keep you up to date on the latest trends in movies, music, video games, and technology. It is a tremendous resource. It really is, and Plugged In is just one of the many podcasts that you can access online. Uh, New episodes are released weekly. It's really handy. Tina and I really relied on Plugged In when our kids were teens, and they'd say, can we go to this movie? And I'd say, got to check Plugged In first. (laughs) And our boys would say, okay. (laughs) But it's so important to be wise in our media choices today and help our children do the same. Listen to this note we received from a man uh, I'll call Kevin, who desperately needed help and had a consultation with one of our counselors. Kevin said, you guys do such good work. I spent years listening to very sick music, and it took me a long time to clean up my mind. A friend introduced me to Focus on the Family, and I'm so thankful. Keep up the great work. You're making a big impact. Mm -hmm. That's a really powerful comment. It is. And uh, media choices have consequences, and parents need to be involved in those choices as much as possible. Well, I hope you'll consider supporting Focus on the Family as we do our best to help families thrive in Christ. And when you make a monthly pledge of any amount, we'll send you a copy of Parenting Generation Screen as our way of saying thank you. And if you can't afford to make a monthly commitment right now, uh, we understand that. We can send the book to you for a one-time donation of any amount. We want you to have it because we know that you'll use it. And you can reach us when you call 800, the letter A, and the word family. That's 800-232-6459, or donate online and request that book by Jonathan, Parenting Generation Screen, at focusonthefamily.com slash broadcast. This reminder that when you get the book from us, uh, we'll include a free audio download of Jonathan's entire presentation with extra content so you can listen again or share it with a friend. And when you're online with us, look for links to the Plugged In Show podcast, which is so helpful, and uh, our smartphone app as well. On behalf of Jim Daly and the entire team, thanks for listening today to Focus on the Family. I'm John Fuller, inviting you back as we once again help you and your family thrive in Christ. Is your marriage holding on by a thread? 
For deep hurt, you need deep healing that only comes from the Lord. And you'll find it at a Focus on the Family Hope Restored Intensive in Michigan. Our licensed Christian counselors will help you and your spouse get to the root of your issues in just three to five days. And it works. 80% of the couples are still married two years after attending. Learn more at HopeRestored.com and talk with a trusted advisor. That's HopeRestored.com.